Well, good morning once again. If you would go ahead and turn to John 17, we're going to be in verse 20 this morning. So you can go ahead and turn there. You might also go ahead and uh, begin to look for 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll be bouncing over there as well. Um, And then later on, we'll be in Acts 2. Um, So if you want to go ahead and begin to look for those as well. But John 17 is where we will start this morning. While you're looking for that, um, normally one thing happens during the course of the early part of the the service that gives me something to kind of bounce off. This morning, I have like several between trying to run a kindergarten class, God bless you, Jensen's, um, or um, Russell coming up and telling me that I need to encourage more. Um, and me learning a lesson there, like, you kind of, I have a lot of things to go off this morning. Um, but uh, this morning we're kicking off a new sermon series called Community. Um, and the reason that we're doing this is because as we announced, I think it was back in July, um, we are beginning here a new ministry um, here at FBC as we begin to launch small groups. But I think it's important as we go into this, um, as we go into this new ministry and this new direction that God's calling us, that we understand why we're doing this and what that looks like and why Christian community is so important. And Colton did a fantastic job last week launching this sermon series for us. Um, and I'm so thankful that he did that. It was so funny um, when I called him and asked him to preach for me. He was like, what? what do you want me to go off of? And I, I kind of told him, well, we finished up Malachi. You know, you can go back and try to do one of those. And he was like, uh, no thanks. Um, and then we did, um, I told him the missions conference. He's like, okay. And then I told him Christian community. And he was like, that's it. That's mine. Don't touch it. And I said, great. That's going to be the first sermon in a sermon series. He goes, huh, <laughs> great. <laughs> um, but he did such a fantastic job. And I'm so thankful for the way that Lord used him to work to get us started on that as we understand that we we go into this with great confidence because of the gospel and what God has done in our lives to bind us together and how we come into community to strive forward, to to reach after the good things that he has set before us. And so I'm excited this morning, and I hope that you're excited about this new chapter in the life of our our family and this new chapter of the life of our, um, our church because I believe that God is leading us this direction. I believe that he has great things for us because of what we're going to see this morning. What we're going to see this morning is that God talks about community, that Jesus Christ talks about community. We're going to look at the the prayer, sorry, we're going to look at the prayer that Jesus prays. We're going to look at the picture that Paul paints. We're going to look at the practice of the early church, and we're going to look at our path. And we're going to look at how all of this comes together to talk to us and to speak to us about unity and what God desires for us as a people this morning and why he desires that. So hopefully by now you found John 17. We're going to start in verse 20. If you would stand, uh, if you're capable, so that we may honor the reading of God's word this morning. John 17, verse 20 says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you are, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Let me pray for us. Father, we just come before you, and 
Lord, I'm thankful this morning, Lord, for an opportunity to open up your word, to look into it and to see your heart, to see your desires for us. I'm thankful this morning to come together and, and gather with brothers and sisters and with family and, and to express our love for you and, and to talk about what you're doing in our lives and, and yes, even to talk about the struggles that we're dealing with and to see how the church responds to that. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to see what you desire this morning. To help us to see the unity that you prayed for and help us to know that that's something that we can achieve. Not because of our own abilities, but because of what you've done in our lives. Father, I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look first here at Jesus' prayer and how it speaks to unity, I, I want to give a little bit of context. Jesus is praying here, and it's the night of that would be his betrayal, and he's kind of gone off by himself, and yet some of his closest um, disciples are, are near him. And he begins this high priestly prayer, as it's sometimes called. He, he begins this last prayer mostly focusing on the 12 disciples, focusing on this small group of guys that he had lived almost three years with. He had ate with them. He had dined with them. He had suffered with them. He had rejoiced with them. They had seen him perform miracles. He had spoken truth into their life. He had challenged them to go out on their own at different times and to, to not only hear what he was teaching, but to do what he was teaching. And so he comes to this final hour and he begins to pray for them and to pray over the ministry that they would have once he had left. But in the middle of that, or, and here in verse 20, he stops and he changes gears. He says, I do not ask for these only, but I also, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So as we look here at Jesus' prayer, and as we go on to look at um, the picture that Paul paints, and as we go on to look at the practice of the early church, we're going to look at the who, the what, and the why. First, we see the who here. In verse 20, we see that Jesus is praying for us. I want that to sink in for just a moment. Think about that for a moment. Jesus Christ knows what's next. He knows what the next few hours, the next day, holds for him. He knows that it includes betrayal. He knows that it includes mocking. He knows that it includes great suffering. He knows that it includes the cross. He knows that it includes death. And yet here, his prayer turns to us. I don't know about you, but that sits heavy on my heart. That my King, that my Lord, in the moment of his greatest trial, in the moment of what he was sent to do, prayed for us. Which begs the question, what could be so important? What could be so vital that he would turn his attention to us and say, I want this for them? Well, he answers that in 21 and 23. Jesus prays for our unity. 
you go back to those verses just briefly, he says there in 21 that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. He says it again in 23, that they may be one. Jesus' prayer for us on that evening was that we would be united. But here's the crazy thing. It's not just some genuine genuine or um, not genuine but uh, generic hey I hope they I hope they get along with one another it's not that do you see what it says it says that he desires for us to be one in the same way that the father and the son are one one of the greatest mysteries of our faith is the trinity how can how can one God be three persons and three distinct persons be one God? And we use all kinds of things to describe it, don't we? We've, we've used the water description and how water is three different things all at once. We use the egg. We use a shamrock or a three-leaf clover. We use all those things. And all of those are great, uh, great attempts by us to help us understand something. But ultimately, we need to see it's not understandable. It's something we believe in by faith. And yet we see here that it is a unity, it is a bond beyond comparison, but it is a bond that Christ himself expects of the church. It's a bond that he expects between you and me. John records earlier as Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he says that they will know you by your love. And some of us may sit here and say, well, that's, that's fanciful thinking. The, you know, people can never be united in that kind of way. Like, you, anytime you get more than, like, three people in a room, everything starts falling apart. That just can't happen. I would point you back to who's praying this prayer. This is the man who brings people from the dead. This is the man who walks on water. This is the man who heals the sick, and makes the blind to see. When he prays, there is expectation and there is power that what he is asking for will be accomplished. And now, brother and sister, that expectation and that power rests on us, the church. We are to be united. We are to be one. We're not to be robots just following along. We have our own distinct talents and our own distinct abilities. We have our own distinct desires and responsibilities and paths. But at the same time, because of the grace that God has bestowed upon us, because he paid the price and, and all that you looked at last week with Hebrews, because of that, we can be one in a way that is undescribable. Why is this so important? Jesus prays for us. He prays for our unity. But why is that so important to him? Well, we see it in 21 and 23. Again, he says there that, that they may be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. So, this is the why, that the world may believe that you have sent me. When lost people look at a church when they look at a body of believers that is truly family that is truly united that has come together in the love of christ to support one another there is an undeniable proof it is undeniable proof 
that God exists, that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, and that we are together, we are drawn together by something more than this earth can provide. We don't want, lost people look at a, look at an organization if you were to look at an organization from the outside and all you saw was bickering and fighting you would go why would i want to be a part of that lost people don't want to be a part of that either but when we look when we look at an organization we see them coming together and supporting one another and loving one another and walking the life it's like man i want to be a part of that the best way i can describe it is is to remind you of high school Okay? You go back to high school and you think in your mind, there were those groups, right? There was those groups of friends that it was like, man, they always hang out together and they're, yeah, they joke and they tease one another, but man, they got one another's back. And man, they seem to have a lot of fun together. I want to be a part of that. Maybe you didn't want to be a part of that particular group, but you wanted to be part of that togetherness. You wanted to have that group of people that were around you. And sometimes that expressed itself in jealousy, didn't it? Like you were like, ah, that group of people, they're such a clique. (laughs) You're like, I wish I was one of them. When people see us come together, they will want to be part of us. They will see Christ in us in a way that nothing else can do. We can argue the word all we want. We can be the most, the best, apologetic uh, instructor in all the world but if we don't love people we don't love one another and we are not unified it means nothing it means nothing because they can get education anywhere but they can't get relationship very many places so Jesus prays for this he prays that our unity would be one that it would be greater than anything the world had ever seen not only that not only have Jesus' prayer though we have Paul's picture we have Paul's picture go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 it's a little bit to your right Paul is speaking to the church of Corinthia here he's speaking to the Corinthians and they are a screwed up church okay let's just be clear here they are screwed up they are broken they are egotistical they are narcissistic They are prideful, and frankly, they are just dumb, okay? They are a messed up place. And Paul is speaking into this church, and he's trying to get them to see so many things. But one of the things he wants them to see is how they need to act as a body, how they need to be united. And he starts in verse 13, and we're not going to read this whole thing, but I want us to see a couple of things here. He says there in verse 13, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So who is he talking to here? He's talking to any of us who are believers. He's talking to those of us who have been born again, who have accepted Christ as our Savior. If we do that, then he says we are one. Because we all have the same spirit living inside of us. It doesn't matter what side of the railroad tracks you were born on. It doesn't matter your occupation. It doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't matter the clothes that you wear. It doesn't matter um, your 
ideas about life. It doesn't matter even your politics. What matters is, has Christ put in you a new heart? And if that is the case, then you are part of the body. You are united. So he is speaking to those of us here in this room this morning who can say, yes, I have been born again. Yes, I have given my life to Christ. If that is the case, then Paul has a message for you. That message is one of unification. It's a unified body made up of diverse parts. Look at 14 through 25. What you're going to see there is him describe a body and the importance of each part doing, or each body part doing its job. And how we can't be jealous of one another. We can't decide we're just going to walk away. He says, see there, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but the idea is, like, if we're all eyes, then we can't smell. You can't all have the same job. Or worse yet, if one of us walks away, what does that do to the body? If the eye decides, you know what, I don't want to be here anymore, you people are mean to me, and it pops itself out, it's not going to make it very far. It's just going to lay there, and it's going to die. If the hand decides, you know what, I'm done with you people, and it somehow manages to chop itself off, it's not going to make it very far. It's going to die. It's done. And here's the thing, though, is that it doesn't just damage itself, it damages the body. Because the body no longer functions the way it was intended either. My dad, I've, I've shared this with some of you, and I think I may have even shared this on a Sunday morning. My dad, when he was young, was shot, and he's missing much of his inner thigh. Most of his upper part of his inner side of his leg is gone. I thought all dads had a hole in their leg. I thought that's where kids came from when I was five. Like, like you know, dad loses an inner part of his leg, and that's where children are from. It's kind of like Eve, you know, you take a rib, there's blood, you know. It all kind of makes sense to me. But dad's missing that inner part of his leg. And if you were to meet my dad, you would probably never guess that. You would probably watch him walk around, and you would go, he's fine. He's, he's doing everything great. He's doing well. Like, he's not missing that inner part of his leg. That muscle meant nothing to him. Ask him to run sometimes. Because what you don't realize is that the rest of his body is working double time to try to drag that leg as he walks. He's gotten really good at it, so now you can't tell. But if he runs, you're going to notice. Because he's got to almost shift his whole body weight to get that leg in front of him fast enough. His body doesn't work the way it was created to. Does it function? Yes. Does he work hard? Yes. But it doesn't function the way it's supposed to. And that's what happens. When we don't engage in the church, when we don't build a unified body, when we don't all take our responsibilities serious, when we decide we're only going to come on Sunday morning and we go no farther, we don't invest anything else, we don't invest in other people, we don't invest in what God has put in front of us, then what happens to the body, to the church, is that yes, we can still accomplish great things. Yes, God still does miracles through us, but we limp along through life. And we don't work the way we're supposed to. So not only does it hurt the peace, not only does it hurt the body part when it separates itself from the body, but it hurts us as well. And Paul says that's not the way it's supposed to be. 
That's not the way it's supposed to be. We are to come together. We are to care for one another, and that goes to the why for this picture. Why does he paint this picture? He says it there in verse 25. I'm actually going to back up just a little bit into part of 24. He says, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Why? That there may be no division in the body, speaking directly to what we saw Christ pray for. But that the members may have the same care for one another. We're to have no division. Why? Well, that was answered in John when Jesus said that they would have no division, that they would be one, so that people would know that I am who I say am, that people would know that you have sent me, so that people would know that he is the Christ, that he is the Savior. But Paul adds to that and says, also so that you may care for one another. Colton spoke to this a little bit this w- last week. He said, you know, life's, life's just hard. Life's hard. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. I don't know if you've been a part of that, but life's hard. And there are things that are difficult. And there are things that are worthy of tears. And things that are worthy of sorrow. And we are to come together and to care for one another in that. We're to be the hands and feet. We're to be the ones that pick each other up first. We're also to be the ones that rejoice with one another. As broken as our world is, there's still plenty to celebrate. There is marriage, this great thing that God has put together that we can celebrate when God joins together two lives. There are children, and we get to celebrate new life. There are achievements that God lets us be a part of, and we get to celebrate those. There is much for us to celebrate as well. And both of those things, both the the coming alongside one another and suffering and the rejoicing with one another in the good things are better and more productive and grander when we do them together. If you win an achievement but no one says congratulations, it's pretty hollow sometimes, isn't it? The same feeling probably comes to you when you go through something hard and no one says, I'm praying for you. No one says, how can I help you? We are designed to be community. We are given the prayer of Christ. We are given the picture of, by Paul, and we are given the early practice of the church. Turn with me really quick to Acts chapter 2. We won't take a long look at this. Acts chapter 2, at the very end, what we see is the church is being formed. It's coming together by the thousands even. The church is coming together in Acts chapter 2, and They are trying their best to follow the commandments of Christ and to follow the disciples as as best the disciples know how as they're being led by the Spirit. And what we see is a practice or what they are doing to make that happen. Look in verse 42. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day. 
the who here in this passage is the early church. And that's important to understand because in these other passages, the audience, who, who was being talked to was us. But this is the early church. And so, you know what? The principles here we need to follow, but we don't have to necessarily follow all of their practices. Okay? We don't have to meet day by day. Okay? We don't have to sell everything we have and give those to the needy. We don't have to do that. But the principle of community, the principle of unity is on display here. It's the practice that we must take note of. Because it's undeniable that they were one. Look at some of the things they were doing. And we've already mentioned some of them. They were eating food together. They were praying together. They were going to the temple to praise and to worship together. They were meeting together on a regular basis. Let me ask you this. This church, the Jerusalem church at this point, numbers somewhere in the thousands. Do you think they were all eating together every day? Do you think they all gathered together like, at one, you know, hey, let's meet at the statue of Pilate and we'll all go into the temple together. Okay? Right now I'm looking at Gary and all I can think of is the Stan Musial statue and we'll go into the game together. Okay? But, like, they weren't meeting by the thousands to do everything together, were they? No, they were meeting in small groups. Genius. We see it later when Peter gets out of jail. Where does he go? He goes to somebody's house, right? And what are they doing in that house? They're praying together. Do you think they fit a 1,000 people in that house? No. They were meeting in a small group. Genius. They were meeting together in small groups so that they could share life together. How did they know, hey, you know what? I need to sell my donkey so that this person can eat. How do you think they knew that? They knew that because they lived life together, and they said, that person needs something. They shared. They shared life with one another in community. They prayed with one another. They ate together. They showed hospitality to one another. This was the prayer of Christ in action. And like I said earlier, it is now the expectation placed upon us. We cannot be Lone Ranger Christians. That's not the way this works. It's not the way we were designed. It's not the way we were instructed. It's not the prayer of Christ. It's not the picture that Paul paints in the New Testament. And it was not the practice of the early church. We must do this life together. Do you want to see people come to know Christ? Do you want to see this community change? Then they must see community in us. Why? Verse 47, that God may be glorified. Says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Day by day. Do you think it's any accident that these folks were living life together day by day and that Christ or God added to their number day by day? That is not coincidence, brothers and sisters. So we have Christ's prayer, we have Paul's picture, we have the early church's practice, and we have our path. The who of the our path is pretty understandable. The who is us. It's FBC Vandalia and others. You'll remember that when we talked in July that the picture here is not just for us as, into, as, as a church to do this, but we're going to open this up to others. We're going to open this up to other churches. We're going to open this up to the community. It's going to be messy. 
and it's going to be ugly in some parts. But it's going to be beautiful as well. And I don't have all the answers in exactly how that works. But we're getting there. We're getting there. But it's all of us, not just some of us. Second, what are we doing? Well, we've kind of already already explained this, but we're doing small groups. These small groups are going to be made up of 12 people, hopefully. Two leaders, okay? Usually a husband and a wife, and then 10 other people, okay? So five, five other couples, maybe some singles sprinkled in there. They're going to be small groups. They're going to be predominantly question-driven groups. Asking questions. What is God speaking to you this week? What's been good this week? What's been struggle this week? What are questions you've had this week about life or about your faith? And how have you had a Christ-centered relationship? Or how have you had a Christ-centered discussion this week? You don't have to be a great teacher to ask those questions. You don't have to be some savant in order to lead a group. Why are we doing this? We're doing this that God may be glorified when people see Christ in our community. When people see Christ in our unity, God will be glorified. And people will want it. Not everybody will. Some will look at it and they will be jealous and they will be antagonistic towards us at best. But some people will see it and they will desire what we have and what we have is Christ and nothing else. If you were to go around town right now, go into Firestone, go into Ace, go into... Dairy Queen or the Bowling Alley or maybe even go visit our friends right here on the corner. Yeah, some of you would say that. Okay? But if you were to go around town and ask people, what is SBC? Who is SBC? The answers would not always be clear. I know because I've asked. But let me say this. Today is a new day. Today, may it be the start of a new work that Christ is putting before us. Today, may they say that we are a people united, that we are a people that love one another, that we are almost to a creepy point invested in each other's lives. May they say that we are one, and may they say we are building something here. Not a building, not a thing, but that we are doing something worth being invested in. And when they come and they begin to see that, may we point them towards Christ. May that be what they say when they, we ask about who or what is SBC Danville. May today be the start of something new in our church and the start of something new in our lives. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up in just a moment. Don't, don't jump out of your seats just yet. But I'm going to ask them to come up in just a moment. But I want to do something a little bit different first. There, there are three responses this morning. First response may be, I want to be a part of a group. That's great. Very soon, probably the first part of December, we're going to have an opportunity for you to do that. There are only going to be 40 slots available this first time around. So you're going to have to sign up fast. But I pray that you're already asking God, what group do you want me to be a part of? When do you want me to do this? 
What does that look like in my life? What, what can I do? Be praying that for over the course of the next month. Second, I, there may be a response, and you may be sitting here going, hey, I want to be a leader. Like, how do I open up my home? How do, how do I become invested in this? I'm not the best teacher, but I can ask five questions. That's pretty easy. I can put a DVD in a player. No big deal. If you don't have a DVD, by the way, we will get you a DVD player, okay? If you want to be a leader, we will make it happen. Melissa and I are going to be hosting another training group in January, and we would invite you to sign up for that. It may be that we need groups really quickly, so we may not be together super long. Or it may be that we can kind of take our time and go through things a little slower, and that'd be great as well. We would love to have you. But you need to be praying about that now. And then there's a third person in this room that's like, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. One of two things is going on here. One, you may not be a believer. And if you're not a believer, this unity stuff sounds kind of crazy. And I get that. And I hope that this morning that God will touch your heart and you will understand your need for him as your Savior and understand how amazing this is. Two, if you're a believer and you're saying that, let me remind you what Paul said when he talked about the body. And remind you of that truth, that if you cut yourself off and you say, I don't want anything to do with that, I'm just happy doing what I'm doing, that in the long run you're hurting yourself, but you're also hurting us. We need you to be invested. You are valuable to us. Not just because of what you can do, but for who you are. Pray over that. Pray over what God would have you do in your life. All right, here's the part where we get a little different, and I'm going to make some people feel very uncomfortable because that's what I do. All right? Not not on purpose. Anyway, um, I'm going to ask our leaders. These folks, these folks have stepped up and said, I'm willing to open up my life. I'm willing to open up my home in many cases so that we can start this ministry, so that we can do it well. And that takes bravery, to be honest. It, it takes bravery to these folks. And so I'm going to ask them to come up and sit in these front. Um, Sharla and Mike Smith are two of your leaders, and you can bring Emily with you. Uh, Chris and Stacy Caldwell, and you can bring your family if you would like, or the kids if you're, you're already ducking your head not wanting to come. Um, uh, come, don't come, okay? They're opening their home as well. Um, we have Jenna and Gary, Gary Nichols. Um, if you guys would join us in the front, and Fred and Sharon are actually going to be the ones hosting that group in their home, and so if Fred and Sharon, are they playing Where's Waldo again this morning? Yeah, okay, you're in your spots, all right, if they would come up, and then Glenn and Carolyn Bailey are our other group. Am I missing anybody, folks? That's, that's everybody, right? These are your small group leaders this first go-around, and they have stepped up and said, we want to be a part of this. And honestly, if it was up to me, <laughs> um, you guys wouldn't get to have them. Um, we have small group right now. We're training. We're going through some things. We're learning a lot about each other. Um, and you guys wouldn't get to have them. They're mine. Um, and I'm keeping them. But that's not the way this is going to work. You're going to get a chance to meet them as well. And so what I'm going to ask right now, and this is, um, I, this is important. We need to pray as a church. I'm going to ask you to come up as a church here in just a second. I want you to lay a hand on them. We're going to pray for these folks. We're going to pray over their families. We're going to pray over their homes. We're going to pray for this small group ministry because we're not asking God to join us. 
in something. We're not asking God to join us in a program. We're following him, but we need to know the way. So we're going to pray for that this morning. If you can't touch them uh, um, personally, then just put a hand on the guy in front of you. But I'm going to invite you now. Go ahead and stand up, and we're going to gather around them as a church. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to, yeah, you might, come, you might come forward if you're seated a little bit. Gather around them, put a hand on them. I'm going to pray for them. After we get done praying, I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, and they're going to, they're going to end our service. At, well, we're going to have announcements, but they're going to lead us in a time of worship together. If you need to make a decision at that time, come up and grab me, but we're just going to have a time of worship. So let me pray with everybody. I'll give everybody a chance to get up here. We're going to pray over these folks, and then you can, once we get done, you can return, and we'll have a time of worship. before you this morning and Lord we're we're in awe of you Lord I've been blessed this last couple weeks to be asked by dozens upon dozens of people about this church and what you're doing here and Lord, my heart is both humbled and proud at the same time as I talk about how you're drawing us together and about how you're leading us to, to scary new things and awesome new things. And Lord, we know that part of that is to come together as one. And Lord, that you have laid out this path of small groups as part of that. And so Lord, we pray for this path that you have given us. We pray that you would lead us by your spirit we pray that you would help to answer the questions that we have about it we pray that you would help us to be flexible to change Lord in ways that we need to change that we would be ready and willing to go with whatever you lay out before us Lord that that the program would not be the end itself, but that it would be a means to an end as we would see you high and lifted up and we would see others outside these four walls desire to have part of that and we would point them to you and that their lives would be radically changed by the gospel. And then we would be able to add them to the family as well. Father, this morning I especially lift up these leaders and we as a church lift up these leaders as we lay hands on them we pray for their families. We pray over their marriages, Lord, that you would protect them. Lord, we know that the enemy wants no part of this, that he wants to divide and conquer. And so we pray over their marriages. We pray over their children, that you would keep them safe. Lord, that you would continue to grow them in your spirit. We pray that you would give them wisdom beyond their years as they lead groups, as they ask questions, as they stimulate conversation, Lord, that you would put the right words in their mouth. We pray that you would go before them in everything they do, and I pray as we as a church would be encouraging, that we would be supportive. Lord, I pray that each one of us would begin right now to pray over the next month, Lord, what would you have of me? What would you have of me? 
What group would you have me to join? Would you have me to be a leader? How am I to invest? How am I to be part of the body? Lord, we pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can return to your seats. Uh, pray team, if you'd come up and lead us in worship. And we will worship with one another here at the close.